Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, would you just lift up your voice and say, praise the Lord. Would you turn to your family seated next to you and would you tell them that you love them this morning? And if you're a guest at our church this morning, we are so grateful that you're here. Thank you for coming to Metro Church and worshiping alongside us. Church, let's open up your Bible to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Just want to greet the church this morning. It's good to be together to worship God. It's been a, it's been a, a week for many of us that we're continuing to be in the aftermath of several sorrowful moments that are happening in our community. And I just want to, I just want to tell the church with with, with full authority, please do not be isolated during this season. If you are a part of a life group, get back involved in your life group. Last night, we were able to have the grad and career life group at our house, and it was just such a joy to see all of our 20 to 30-somethings come together uh, and, and, and be together in time of fellowship, in the word, praying together, hearing from God together. I'm telling you, the best way to fight the fear and the anxiety that we experience in this, in this world right now is to get with other sisters and brothers that love the Lord, and you will be encouraged, church. Amen? Joel chapter 2. Church, we're in a series entitled Joel. The subtitle is The Day of the Lord. Uh, we have gone on quite a journey with this interesting friend named Joel. Uh, pastor helped us on the first week to understand that God brings us revival in our land, in our lives, and even in our language. Um, we know Joel chapter 2 shows us the coming of the Holy Spirit. In the second week, I took us on a dark journey into the depths of our desperation. And I showed us that Joel is telling us to surrender. Desperate times require total surrender. It is the only way. Pastor helped us see last week the characteristics of God. It was, a, it was a moment in theology, understanding God, his faithfulness, his unfailing love, that our God goes before us so we can trust him. This morning, today, I have to follow the scriptures and I take us back again to a difficult place. But don't worry, next Sunday, pastor will be preaching and he will make it positive, right? Joel chapter 3, he will talk about the day of the Lord, the glorious day of the Lord. But today, I need to take us to a difficult place again. But it is a familiar place. It is the feeling of being lost. Feeling stuck and unsure where to go in this life. You know what it's like when you're lost, especially when you're driving. That anxious feeling when you, don't, when you lose your bearings around you. You don't know. You start checking your GPS. This is usually when your spouse starts to say something mildly irritating. You look around, the signs don't make any sense. You don't notice or understand any of the landmarks anymore, so you think about calling a friend. That sense of panic, I don't know where I am. I think I'm lost. The prophet Joel takes that feeling 
and applies it to our spirituality this morning. Friends, let's look around. Look around at the United States. We are experiencing one crisis after another in the United States. Every time, I don't even get on Facebook anymore because everybody's mad talking about some kind of crisis. I get overwhelmed looking through my feed. Church, at the center of it, we are not lost politically or economically or emotionally or mentally. Those things are there, but we are ultimately, we are lost spiritually. We don't know where to go as a nation. We don't even know what to do sometimes in our personal lives. If we're honest, just honest for a simple moment and be honest with yourself, you will tell yourself and others, I feel disoriented. I feel lost. It's like our world has become a construction zone. You know, I hate driving through construction zones. That detour sign never makes any sense to me. I don't know, it's a detour, but where? You know, they never have the second sign. You go through the detour, now you don't know where to go. Your GPS tells you to turn around. That's not the right way. Detour after detour. And then, in the back seat, comes Joel. Turn around! Turn around! Let's go back home! Joel becomes that annoying backseat driver. Turn around. I'm trying to go forward. And Joel is saying, you're lost. Family, we're lost. We need to go back home. Listen to the words of our friend Joel. I'm going to start in verse 12. It may not be the best news, but it is exactly what we need to hear. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. He says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return back to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, the blessing of grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Friends, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather all the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room, let the bride leave her chamber, let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between porch and altar, let them say, spare your people, Lord, do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among all the nations. Why should, why should they say among the peoples, where is your God? Then the Lord was so jealous for his land, and he took pity on his people. In this text, Joel cries out to us, it's time to turn around. Guys, we have to return back home. This is the wrong way. We're lost. Joel tells us why and how we should return. Look, in verse 12 through 14, Joel tells us why. We should return. In verse 15 through 18, he says how we should return. The main idea this morning, church, is turning around. Turning around is often the fastest way back home. Turning around is often the fastest way back home. Church, I know many of us may feel lost and anxious in our life right now. But I want you to call you to a place to stop. Stop with your busy schedule. Stop with everything. Stop with all the distractions. And take a moment to consider 
if we should turn around. When I was 17, my dad gave me the privilege of driving my own car. I remember I felt a sense of great independence. But I was still a little scared to drive, so I only stayed in the Mesquite area. If you don't know where Mesquite is, it's far east, you know. Nothing really happening in Mesquite, but I would drive around Mesquite. As I got more and more courage, I began driving all over the DFW Metroplex with my friends. But I will tell you, my boldness went before my knowledge of a map. So I just would drive in a direction. Because of that, me and my friends, we would be totally lost on certain occasions. I remember one occasion, please don't laugh too hard, I was trying to take my friends to the Mesquite Rodeo, and I ended up at the Texas Motor Speedway. If you don't know a map, they, do, they are not on the same, they are on opposite ends of the DFW Metroplex. I remember driving thinking, why is this taking so long? The rodeo is not that far away. I kept driving and driving. I remember feeling like things looked unfamiliar. I remember looking like, this is not right. What is this sign? Where am I? I'm still on 635. All my friends were too busy laughing and talking to each other. No one even paid attention. Then I started to worry. I, an anxious anxiety began to take over me. And I didn't know if I should tell my friends that we were lost. I looked at the gas tank. Only had a quarter tank left. I had to make a decision pretty fast. And then I remember my dad saying something. He said, son, if you are lost, always go east. <laughs> because we lived in the far east part of the Metroplex, and anywhere else I went, I'm not going to Tyler, right? So anywhere else I went, I was going west. So he said, son, if you ever get lost, go east, 635 east. George Bush East, 30 East, 20. Some of you guys are like, oh, wow, that's good advice. See, some of you didn't know that either. If you're lost, go East. Eventually, son, you will find your way home. So I exited the highway, and I started going East. And one of my friends said, are we there yet? <laughs> I said, we're at least going East. And we can go East. We can go back home. Turning around is often the fastest way back home. Why should we return? In verse 12, Job, Joel opens the text by quoting the Lord himself. What does it say? In verse 12, it says, even now return to me with all your heart, with failing and weeping and mourning. What is the Lord saying? Return. Come back home. Come back home with your whole heart. Come back. Even if you have tears in your eyes, just come back home. Come back with your fasting. Let everything else go and just come back home, is what the Father is saying. He's saying with great compassion. You see, God knows that his people are totally lost. So in verse 13, he says, rend your heart, not your garments. What does this mean? God is giving you permission to let your heart break because you're lost. Rend your heart not your clothes. You see, God is saying that you are not lost symbolically. You are totally lost. And when you are totally lost, a symbolic rending is not enough. A total breaking is what's required. Don't rend your clothes as a symbol. You are more lost than that. You are lost in every way, so it will require you to rip up your heart before God. Church, when you know you're lost, 
it's okay for tears to fill your eyes. When you know that you don't know where to go, when you know that your prayers are not being answered, when you know you just feel stuck, it's okay for you to break your heart. God stands there in verse 13 with great grace and compassion, abounding love, and he's relenting calamity from happening to you. Why should we return? Because it gives us a chance to finally break our hearts. Some of us live such fast-paced lives, we think if we go faster and faster and faster, we'll get there. You won't. Sometimes it takes you stopping and letting your heart break for all the ways that you're lost. You know, I remember a few years ago, I was at a retreat center in, uh, in Texas near Austin, and uh, I was there with only a small group of people. Saturday morning, our, our leader said, you're going to get the whole morning by yourself. We couldn't talk to anybody. We even had to eat breakfast in silence. I mean, that's weird. I mean, other, if, if your family is fighting, you understand why everyone is quiet for breakfast, but... When your leader says, no, you have to be quiet during breakfast. I remember after breakfast was over, I decided to go for a walk. It was so cold outside. I saw a path going into a dense kind of forest area. I just started praying. I started asking God lots of questions that I was too afraid to ask any person. You know, those questions you don't talk to anybody about, your own questions. I began to ask God about that. I remember walking and feeling God's presence with the cool breeze, and I was walking into that forest. I began silently praying, and I started asking God a question. Where are you really taking me in this life? I feel like I am losing when I look at my peers. All my friends have great jobs, great houses, great everything. And everything in my life, God, you take it all away and make me go down, down, down. I started wrestling with God. Are you there? And God said, in a still small voice, not audible, I felt him say, I'm always with you, son. I'm always walking with you. I felt God said, even when you don't see me, I'm walking with you. Even when you don't know me, I'm there, I'm walking with you. And I said, I've heard all that before. It was almost a lover's quarrel with God. I've heard that before, God. Don't start with that poetry again. Are you really there? And when I said that, I felt something kind of break in my heart. Are you really there? And I didn't mean to. I started feeling tears on my face. It was so cold, I began to feel the tears on my cheeks. Are you really there? I sat down on a bench in that forest. I feel my heart beating as I started crying. No one is here, God. No, not a single travel partner with me. No one here to carry my burdens. No one even sees me. No one even knows I'm here. You don't even know I'm here. And I felt the strong presence. And then, this is where I got a little scary. I heard like a breaking, like a rustling in the forest. I thought, uh-oh, maybe I am not alone. I look up, and standing like less than 50 feet from here is huge deer. Huge. I mean, big old, many points, crowned antlers standing there. I didn't know what to do. When you're in front of a wild animal, you're like, man, this is dangerous. But it's also beautiful. It's quiet. I could see him breathing. I just felt God speak. I am always watching you. I am always watching you. As soon as I felt that, 
the deer was gone, and I felt God speak to me in a personal way. Church, I need you to know something. When you are lost, if you are willing to humble yourself, turn around and let your heart break, you will find that God is always with you, always watching you. You are always under his protection and uh, in the the care of his eye. Amen? Many, let's be honest, many people cannot take our heartbreak. That's sometimes why we don't break our hearts in front of people. You don't want them to know that you're feeling bad, but many people just can't take it. If you were to break your heart in front of them, they they don't know what to do with you. I can tell you one place you can break your heart and you will feel such great comfort. It is in the presence of God. Can you be honest when you're lost? Can you stop looking at other people? God has given you permission this morning to let your heart break. Uh, Honestly, one of the things we hate to do when we're lost is to turn around. When my wife tells me, I think we need to turn around, I I just go faster. I don't know why. I think we should exit here. No. You know, the GPS, no, you don't know, GPS doesn't know, onward, faster. Because when I think about turning around, a couple things happen to me. I think we wasted time. I think we wasted gas. I think we wasted energy. And I think of the shame of wasting everything. I don't know why. I feel like maybe the destination is somewhere in front of me. It's not. It's way behind me. Because here the thing is, God doesn't think us turning around is a waste. We think it might be a waste. But to God, it is not a waste. The moment you turn around, you finally saved everything. You didn't waste anything. God sees our humility. That moment that you're on that road and you stop, and the Father sees your back and you stop, and your head begins to turn, and your shoulders begin to turn, an interesting thing happens. Look at verse 14. An interesting thing happens. Here's a great paradox. When we turn, God turns. It says in verse 14, who knows? He may turn and have pity. What does this mean? Here's a mystery. When we are running away from God and we decide to turn, that is the moment that God decides to turn. Instead of giving us the the wrath and the punishment that we deserve, he turns and he gives us a blessing instead. You turn and then God turns. What does he give you in a blessing? The verse 14. What is the blessing? And I will leave behind a blessing. Grain offerings and drink offerings. What good is that when you're lost? Well, we can eat when we're lost. If you understand Hebrew culture, grain and drink offerings is what you bring for worship. When you turn, he turns and he blesses you with what? A chance to worship God. When you are lost, the best thing you can do is break your heart and begin to worship God. When we turn, God turns. When we break our hearts, he blesses us. And when we weep, he gives us a chance to worship him. Church, just a moment ago, we had a chance to worship. God is trying to give you every opportunity to turn and weep and worship before God. Will you do that? In our lostness, your broken heart can be healed. In our lostness, you will have an immense time of worship if you trust him. Amen? Church, I'm calling you. Can we please go back home? Can we please go back home? I want to be back in his presence again. Don't you? Let's go back home. Verse 15, how shall we return? 
The first thing he says is, blow the trumpet in Zion. I asked pastor, what do you think this symbolism means? And we talked about it. And he's right. Every time they blow a trumpet in the Bible, it is a time to gather. Gather as one. But all throughout scripture, gather for what? Two main things. For worship and for war. That is why we gather. When you hear the trumpet sound, the people wake up. They come together. And they say, we, we come with urgency. We come with unity. We come with undivided attention because they've blown the trumpet in Zion. We've come together for worship or for war. We wake up from where we are and we realize we are lost and we give our undivided attention towards Zion. We go to worship. We go to war. Church, it is time for us to blow the trumpet in DFW Metroplex. It is time for us to tell our sisters and brothers that it is enough, enough of what we were doing before. We need to come together as one and come to God and let's go back home together. When we're lost, we typically look for a sign, right? We look for, we look for a sign or we, or, we, or we think or we try to hear something familiar. We've got to blow the trumpet in Zion so for those who are lost, know where to go back home. We must call our family and friends and the lost, the Hindu, the Muslim in this city. They are listening to the world, but when we blow the trumpet in Zion, even the lost here, that's the way to go back home. Who does he call? Look in verse 16 to 17. Who, who is supposed to come? Joel literally calls everyone. He says, who? Gather all the people. Then he says, gather the elders. Gather the children. Gather the babies that are still nursing. Go get the bridegroom. Go get the bride. Go get the priest. Everybody, every generation, every generation, every stage of life, every station in life, every role in the community, in the church, no matter your position, your wealth, your job, who comes home? All of us come home when we blow the trumpet in Zion. Church, don't talk to me about the generation gap anymore. Repentance is for every one of us. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. When they blow the trumpet in Zion, we all come back home. Don't talk to me about Malayalam or English or Hindi. If I remember correctly, repentance can be done in any language. So when they blow the trumpet in Zion, let the sanctuary be filled with every language as we come back home. Don't talk to me about traditional or modern. Oh, I like the way it used to be. Or if you're modern, I like the way it's going to be. No, it says blow the trumpet right now. I don't care the way it used to be. I don't care the way it's going to be. Right now, we are all called to come back home. And it's time to stop all of our bickering and debating. What does that mean? That just means we're more and more lost. Think about the times you fight the most in your car. When you are lost or when you are running out of time. Church, we are in both. We are lost and running out of time. That's why we're fighting in the car. Enough of that. We need to go back home. Jesus tells the bride and the bridegroom. Look at this text. I told you it's all poetry, right? What does he say? He says, in verse 16, tell the bridegroom to leave his room and tell the bride to leave her chamber. What does this mean? They haven't even gotten married yet. They're about to get married. 
In the Indian community, I cannot think of more serious business than a wedding. What does Joel say? Call it off. It is time to repent. What is about the priests? What are the priests supposed to do? It says right here, it says right here in verse uh, 17, let the priests who minister before the Lord. What are they supposed to be doing in the temple? Ministering before the Lord. Tell them to call it off. I can think of nothing more serious than temple worship. Call that off. Why? Because when it's time to repent, there's no more business as usual. No more business as usual. I know what we're supposed to do. I know what is supposed to happen right now. I know what is on the calendar next. But God said, stop it all. It is time to come back home. This is not business as usual. I want you to know something, church. If we do the symbolic ripping, symbolic, oh, Lord, symbolic, that's not true repentance. we got to come back home. God. I mean, look all over the city. I know I'm being honest right now. i got to be honest. Look all over the place. Everything is falling apart. Everything. we got to come back home. we got to get back. And what are we supposed to do when we come home? In verse 17 through 18, I love this. He says, everybody's talking bad about you, God, because of us. When we come back to Zion, what is, our, what is our focus on? Not our reputation, but God's reputation. God, they're all, the nations are talking about you because of us. Look at us, God. Now the nations scorn you. Your fame, your reputation is being messed up because of us. Your fame, your reputation is being messed up. Church, we often think we don't want to mess up our reputation. But I'm telling you, if we keep living like this, it doesn't matter how good your reputation gets, we are messing up the reputation of heaven. Repentance means I focus on God's reputation, not mine. In our return, in our lostness, we need to say, God, I'm going to focus on you, not us. I'm going to focus on your honor, not mine. I'm going to focus on your fame, not mine. I want the nations to see you, God, not me. Let the people see God, not Metro Church, not any of our names. Oh, we live in a culture where we love to put our name on everything. We put our name on everything. Oh, God. We put our name on everything. God, forgive us for putting our name on everything. God, it is not our reputation, God. It is yours. We are so lost, God. We are so lost. Can we blow the trumpet? Can we call people to gather for worship and for war? Here's the thing about spiritual warfare. It is never fought with weapons. It is never against any people. Our, our warfare is never against flesh and blood. It's never against the people. It's against the powers and principalities that are coming to divide us. Blow the trumpet, it's time for worship and for war. Church, can we begin to fill the altars? Weep between porch and altar. Weep and ask that the Lord would come. 
that he would dismantle every tactic of the enemy, that he would bring a revival to our church again. Everything is falling apart, but if we would come back and focus on God's reputation. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us. What happens if we do this? It says that the zeal of the Lord and the pity of the Lord will come upon us. What does that mean? His passion and his compassion will fall upon us. God, we need that right now. Lord, would you, God, we, would you just open your mouth and begin to pray right now? God, we need that right now, Lord. We need your passion and compassion for us, oh, Lord. We come back to you, God. We come back to you, God. God, we come back to you with worship, ready for warfare, God, on our knees, praying in the heavenlies, praying with our tongues that you've given us, God, and coming to a place to fight for our city, God, to contend, God, to contend, God, for this generation, to contend for this city, God, to contend for the Hindu and the Muslim, God. We come to the altar to, for worship and for war, God. We come to you, Lord. Church, as the worship team starts to come forward, when we're lost, some, some will tell you, when we're lost, we got to keep going. Some people will tell you that. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. But when we're lost, we have to stop everything. Stop. Don't keep going forward. It's time to stop and turn around. God is calling us back. Church, will we listen? Because turning around is often the fastest way back home. Church, would you stand to your feet? Let's get ready to worship God. I'm sorry I took a little bit of time, but I felt like the Spirit was guiding us. Would you respond now as we move into a time of worship? Can you say with your full heart, all that I have is yours? All my life, all my worship, all my resources, everything I have is yours, God. I turn completely around. I come back home to you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Would you be with us as we worship you now? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.